Wow. Well, you guys are saints. It's, it's such an honor to minister and serve and pastor 29 years now, this, this fellowship. And how come you guys weren't here the whole 29 years, some of you? Anyway, glad you're here today. And it's, uh, it's a beautiful thing to minister to the blood about once. I always feel a little grieved when people dis, uh, disparage the church or say the church is this or the church is that or the church is, boy, if God came back, he would sure judge the church. And, you know, and be reminded that we're, we're, we're the blood-bought ones. Amen. We're the righteousified ones. Amen. We're the forgiven ones. We're the dearly loved children of God. And, I, I, and, and, uh, and it, we deserve to treat each other with that kind of respect. And, and not do blanket condemnation. So watch out for those that are out there. So <laughs> that was the joke part for the day. <laughs> um, some years ago, I had a burden of prayer for myself. And that burden of prayer was to, to have a greater understanding of the love of God in Christ on the cross. And... Uh, I called on God like for several months because I really wanted it. I really wanted to understand better. And then it was a, it's a kind of prayer that uh, God loves to answer. So I started having the wave after wave after wave of revelation. And you know, when you, when you ask God for something that he wants to give, even if you prayed it 20 years ago or 50 years ago or five seconds ago, he doesn't forget it. And he'll hit you with an answered prayer years later for something you prayed way back. Because he's that, that gracious. So, uh, you know the principle uh, if in, in the word, if anybody comes to God, he must first believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Remember that one? That's a good principle. But I had a God dream the other night. You know, there's dreams about God, about angels. Joseph had a dream in which the actual angel visited him in the dream. And I didn't deserve it, but I had a dream in which God came to me. And I was struck with his holiness. And his infinite love and his grace. And I remember thinking to myself as I was awake in my dream I don't deserve this. I don't deserve this. And then another wave of his presence hit me in the dream. And this was the revelation. I am just as much a he. It came to me. God is just as much a he as I am an I. He's a person. He's a personal God. He's a person. God is a person. Not a human, but a person. He's just as much a he as you are and I. 
And then I, the dream morphed into a, a table with five little black checkers on the table, like checker game. And I was just kind of fooling around with the checkers, just manipulating them. And I was busy doing that. And I woke up from the dream and I went downstairs and I opened the Bible where I was reading. I wake up in the middle of the night, sometimes read the Bible I have them in, in my living room. And I, got, I was at the place where it said, he who comes to God must believe that he is and is rewarded of those that diligently seek him. And I said, well, I don't seek you enough to deserve that dream. And God said, I love you so much that I, uh, I suspended my principle and blasted you anyway. <laughs> you know that the love of God so moves him that he's out of control with it sometimes. And he suspends his own principles to hit you with his presence and his goodness. And I immediately wanted to know what the checkers thing was. And I looked up, what's the number five mean in the Bible? Anybody remember? Grace. 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 And I felt like I was saying all that we do in our work for him is touched by his grace. Psalm 1 is right. Everything we were doing is prospering. Because we were planted by rivers of living water, who is Jesus. And when it seems like something isn't prospering, we don't let it jam us up. We just know he's working it together for our good. We slip around it and focus on more prospering, dead ahead. And I felt like out of his presence, out of his goodness, out of his holiness, he's pouring out on all of us our feeble efforts to serve him. All of them are filled with his grace, his favor, his undeserved favor. They flow from his, that grace isn't just an expression of us having a gracious God, but grace is an energy, a power that flows from his presence to give us success at what we, what we work at for him. And as I thought about that dream, and I thought about my prayer from years ago, I was, had a, had a Jesus Life 24 refresh moment in my own journey. And it was this this determined resolve that I will with resolute intentional determination live my life in a way that corresponds and is commensurate to his undeserved favor towards Daniel Mickelson. I will do this and no one's going to stop me. No demon of hell. No false lie. No, no, no lie of the devil. And I already have it, have it down philosophically. I'm going to share with you out of my own journey this time. 
five power words that help me in my attempts to live a life that's consistent with and commensurate to grace. Because he's worthy of that. He is worthy of that. And I picked up these words, some from other pastors, that the stuff's worked into my heart. I'm going to give you those five power words today. And I'm going to invade in the anointing of the Holy Spirit and in the expression of the word of God, the scriptures that I will share, the word's going to do the work, not my emotion or anointing. The word's going to do the work. I'm going to invade your soul and do some surgery. So brace yourself as it's coming in the next few minutes. Thanks, Andrew. The title of this talk is about having a laughing lifestyle. (laughs) And it's an acronym for the power words. Love, acceptance, forgiveness, Faith and focus. These are words that have transformed, power words that have transformed my life and done more for me and my own life working a consistency, not the turbulent up and down, highs and lows, mountaintop experiences, deep depressions, but a consistency of responding to God in a way that brings laughter to my heart and a lightsomeness to my journey. And I want you to have that. You know, one of my callings is to be a teacher of the word. One of my callings is to be a pastor. And this is an evangelist and a lover of my wife. Those are the four things that sort of drive me. But I feel this Jesus compassion for you today. That God wants you to have the lightsomeness, the burden lifted off of you that the enemy puts, wants to put on. That these words will totally free you and liberate you as you grow in the expression of them. And I give them to you in this acronym of Laughter, because they do produce a a joyfulness and a lightsomeness in life. And I've experienced it, and I want you to have it more and more. You already have it. I want you to have more of it. And I want the the revelation of God's love for you in in Jesus Christ and his grace and unmerited favor towards you the revelation of that, to so shake you to your your core that you say, I will have this resolve. That in all the relationships of my life, including relating to myself, I will relate to myself and others with love, acceptance, forgiveness, faith, and focus. 
I want to root it in the Bible, and then I'm going to come back and talk about it. And then I'm going to talk about the Good Samaritan uh, as a way of illustrating a Good Samaritan story. And in the name of Jesus, I can do this today. So, love. John 15, verse 11. Jesus said, These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. How much joy does God want us to have? Fullness of joy. What, what is the nature of the joy that God wants you to have? Not just your joy, but entering into such an intimacy with Jesus that you are participating in, in, the, in the Holy Spirit that, that binds you to Jesus. The Holy Spirit is the bond that binds you to Jesus so that emotionally you are actually experiencing something that feels like your joy, but you are, you are deriving it from his infinite joy that he experiences in the heaven realm 24-7. You're drawing on it. You're, in, you're enjoying it. You're participating. It's a miracle. Of, of radiant happiness. And, and he says, this is a secret to that level of joy for a lifestyle. This is my commandment. What is it? That you love one another as I have loved you. So that my personal resolve and the invitation that your personal resolve in 2024 be to love each other. There's the Greek word agape love. Whenever there is an action related to the word agape love, it is always a giving action. So that we have a personal life philosophy, not achieving everything on your bucket list as the goal of your life, or having a personal happiness. I lived a happy and good life. No. You lived a life that was consistent with and commensurate to grace that you will know forever. And you lived it in a responsible way here, in a consistent way. And a, and a part of that is to love, somebody, love other people as a, as, a, uh, as a lifestyle, that you think about it, that you know the value of it. And... Uh, Love is seeking another person's highest good. And then, in other words, okay, we love how? Like Christ loves us. And out of that, you get the laughter of joy. Secondly, acceptance. Romans 15, verse 7 is another just as Christ verse. Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. You're accepted in the beloved, that's good news. God wants us to accept other people like Christ accepts, accepted us. That does not mean we have to approve of every self-destructive behavior of another person. Not at all. But what it does mean is that when we see another person, 
Like, for instance, the Good Samaritan story we're going to read about. The, the priest saw a Samaritan, yuck, pass him by. I mean, saw, the, the, the priest saw an injured person, yuck. It was, a, it was a, another Jew. The Levite saw an injured person, pass by. The Samaritan, who naturally culturally and historically had, a horrible, had this horrific animosity between Jews and Samaritans. He didn't relate to the injured Jew that had been robbed and left half dead based on those feelings. But he accepted that person and in application for us, we are changed with this paradigm shift of how we see all people, not according to their weaknesses, not according to their sins, not according to what annoys us about them, politically. Told you I was gonna do surgery. (laughs) Behaviorally, how they dress, how much money they make, whether you you like their sense of humor or not, Look at me. So that you're relating to people, accepting them like Christ accepted you, so that you see them not according to the things that get in the way, but that you're seeing them as persons created in the image of God that have extreme, infinite value just because they're persons. And they are persons for whom Jesus Christ died. And those two dynamics, made in the image of God and who Jesus Christ died for, gives them huge worth. And this has incredible application in all, all these areas. But here's the result, the laughter that comes for it from it in the sense of community. When we have an ever-increasing community of acceptance. So we're not relating to each other according to things that annoy us about each other, but we're relating according to the value of personhood. There's there's something that's triggered in the spirit realm that honors heaven, makes angels laugh and smile, and makes the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be so proud of us. What happens is a spontaneous praise that comes from that church community. The, the word there, did I read that verse yet? Yeah, accept one another then as Christ accepted you. Why? In order to bring praise to God. I believe with all my heart that one of the reasons we have great praise and worship here at New Song Church is because of uh, our worship bands. But I also believe it's because of our focus on the grace of God. Read Galatians, that's totally liberating to praise. But I also believe it's because we are increasingly a healing community of love, acceptance, acceptance and forgiveness. Brenda, 
made the mistake of telling me what the main premise of one of the marriage books that she was studying with one of her, her small groups last quarter. Because now she's busted in this sense. She, she told me uh, the premise of the, of, the store, of the book was that wives are not to relate to their husbands with criticism to try to change them but to just focus on their strengths and to, and to encourage and bless them. And the premise of the book is that liberates the husband who, because of Jesus in the husband's life, really wants to please their wife, that they do more of it. So now I know what, what she's trying to do with me. <laughs> you know that because life beats us up sometimes, that we can relate to our spouse primarily through a, a, the knowledge of the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil instead of the tree of life. We judge according to what our perception of right and wrong is with reference to them. And God wants us to relate to them according to the tree of life. Grace. And love, acceptance, and forgiveness, we're to love like Christ love, accept like Christ love, and let's put that up, other one in Ephesians. Forgive like Christ love, forgive like Jesus forgives. Can we put that one up there? And be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. And the laughter of that is, not only do we look like Jesus on the outside to people, but in the secret inner motives of our hearts, we are stunned yet again by the beauty of Jesus Christ because we see him in our own inner motivations towards other people when we forgive them. And this triad of love, acceptance, forgiveness, love like Jesus loves, accept like Jesus accepts, forgive like Jesus forgives, become a, fundamental, a fundamentally owned posture deep within our hearts that we, even though we say those power words to ourselves, I say the, this power phrase many times through every single day of my life, the laughter power phrase. Love, acceptance, forgiveness, faith, and focus. But what it, what it does is they kind of uh, synergistically and the chemistry of them working together become a, a, a redigging of the Jesus well of what Jesus said, when you drink of the water of life, you take a drink of the water of life, it becomes a well within you. And in the anointing and power of the Holy Spirit as an artesian well flowing out of you like a river, These power words amplify and accelerate the eternal life that not only will we experience in our forever, but we are reaching into our forever and bringing it into our present. We are living in the presence of our future in, in this way, and we enjoy the emotions of heaven that we will experience forever then, now, in a full, happy, lightsome Freedom that Jesus bought for us on the cross and many Christians are not experiencing because they have this 
this other mindset going on. And acceptance means accepting yourself so that you're not, accept, not letting other people and their criticisms affect your self-image. Even people that love you can criticize you in a way that your self-image can be affected. When I was seven or eight years old, I played t-ball, and I had the great honor of being the first person on our t-ball team to strike out. (laughs) And my brother was on the team, and he said afterwards, how can you strike out in (laughs) t-ball? Well, I did that. But I had a person that was close to me in my um, family say to me, Danny, you run like a bird. You run funny. We need to work on that. But we never worked on it, so I, I went through my whole life thinking I ran like a bird. But I didn't quite know what that meant, but I didn't know how to run any different. And I forgot it for a few years, and then I had a 50th uh, class reunion, high school reunion last year. I didn't go to it, but it made me want to look at my yearbook. And I, I, one, of the, one of the things that someone wrote was, did you know you run funny? <laughs> well, in Jesus Christ, I don't care. God designed my personality to run like I do. So if you think I run funny, I remind you of that line in that classic, old classic movie, The Fugitive, where Tommy Lee Jones is chasing Harrison Ford, and Harrison Ford's gone through the water tunnels about to leap into the abyss of the water. And Harrison Ford turns around and looks at Detective Tommy Lee Jones, and he says... I did not kill my wife. And Tommy Lee Jones says, I don't care. (laughs) If you and I can increasingly get in the place where we get this revelation that the personality that he gave us, the sense of humor that he gave us, the the way we see life, The way we relate to life that is uniquely us is something that God glories in and enjoys. And no matter what anybody else out of their brokenness might impose on us as a criticism, that we don't, I don't care because I'm free. I am really free. And I'm liberated from that burden. The fear of man will prove to be a snare. But whoever puts their trust in the Lord will be kept safe. There's a liberty and a joy and a freedom of knowing that God designed you, designed me, the way he designed us, simply for, not so that we can accomplish something for him. It's not utilitarian. It's because out of his sheer holiness and love and grace, your job 
is just to fool around with those five black checkers. Do your best to serve him because everything you do with reference to him is empowered and, and blessed and marked by his personal, attentive grace. Acceptance. Also, don't, don't judge other people, okay? Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Mm. Love, acceptance, for, and forgiveness. What can I say about forgiveness? If we talk about it quite a bit, and I could do a whole series, any one of our team could, just on forgiveness. Richard Larkin did an amazing sermon on forgiveness some years back. I think you probably still find that if you want more. It's a really powerful teaching on forgiveness. Guess what I want to say is about forgiveness. It's, I like Catherine Marshall's definition. Forgiveness is releasing someone from our personal judgment. And you have heard me say it before, but I remind you that C.S. Lewis said that it's really easy to forgive someone until you have to forgive someone. And we need God's help to forgive. And what I want us to, to know is that forgiveness doesn't mean excusing somebody. A, a, forgiveness, a true forgiveness prayer runs something like this in your own words. Dear God, right now I give so-and-so the free gift of forgiveness. Just like you gave me the free gift of forgiveness, I give them the free gift of forgiveness right now. They do not deserve it. That's, that's the line that's especially fun to say. <laughs> they do not deserve it. I give it to them freely. They owe me nothing. They owe me nothing. I will no longer punish them in my heart. I give them the free gift of forgiveness right now just like you gave, gave it to me. I want to tell you Holding a bitterness, holding on to a resentment is like drinking poison and hoping someone else will die. It just hurts nobody. It hurts nobody but yourself. But that a root of bitterness can trouble other people too. And what I'm advocating for and appealing for is a, not just a, the kind of forgiveness that rehearses a list of offenses every day and saying, I forgive him for this, 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 this. Because what you're really doing there is locking into the resentment. I want you to, to, I want to, I want to, are you guys, are you guys all listening? Yes. Are you bored with this? No. Good, because this is important. <laughs> You can have an actual lifestyle posture of forgiveness without even saying, I forgive. It's a posture. It's a commitment. It's a depth of attitude. It's a holy habit in the anointing of the Holy Spirit that we can embrace. I mean, I, I wanted to know how many times I forgave someone, um, not just one person, 
wasn't locked into one person, but I, like you, I know it's you too, and, it, and I hope it is really bad. But we, tend, we can easily in our flesh tend towards negativism. So one day I said, I want to I I I just count how many times I forgive somebody today. So I got one of those clicking counter things, you know? And I'm embarrassed to tell you, I, I forgave someone over, I, I think it was 67 times. <laughs> Brothers and sisters, these things ought not to be. <laughs> and I was reminded at that point that, that God was reminded me, you know what, there's some little work you need to do, Mickelson. <laughs> and, and to go back to the posture of forgiveness, so you don't have to carry a clicker around and forgive everybody. <laughs> Click, forgave that person. Click, forgave that driver. Click, forgave that. None of you were included, of course. In all that. Oh, time is going. Okay. Uh. Forgive each other even as Christ forgave you. You have the joy of knowing you're Christ-like. And then, I'm not going to get to the Samaritan, but I'm going to do a fight. Uh, I'm going to do faith and focus real quick. 1 Timothy 6.12, fight the good fight of faith. And when you fight the good fight of faith, what automatically comes that is, that is uh, laughter? Fight the good fight of faith, you lay hold of eternal life. You know, when you fight the good fight of faith, what automatically happens is you are grabbing something and it's called eternal life. Eternal life in the Bible isn't just everlasting life in your future in terms of time going on and on. It is a quality of Jesus' life that we're reaching into the future and pulling into our present and living it in the moment. And you're called to it, to which you are also called. And then, I think I'm not going to expand on that Except to say this. Faith is crucial for everything related to life. I have the Greek word uh, for faith. I've had it for years at the church I served before this one and this one. Do we have a picture of that word, that Greek word for faith? pronounced pistis, and it reminds me every day that victory comes, the flow of God comes to me by faith. But I want, with regard to relating to other people, this is what I want to impart to you. This is the surgery moment I want to put in you, and that is uh, with reference to people in your life that you know you're not, you're not supposed to be the one that fixes them. In fact, you can get in the way of God fixing them if you try to fix them. I have told you the story of the guy at Philadelphia Church where we served before this one that was the harbor master at Warrington Mooring Basin. His wife got in the way of him finding God because every Sunday she invited him to come to church. And every Sunday he said, no, thank you. and became a point of of resentment between them. But she was doing the right thing, inviting him to church. One day, one weekend, she went to visit family in California. Guess who showed up in church? 
Guess who got saved that day and was in church every Sunday after that? And in his own, his faith was rough. No Christian background. I don't really expect you guys to do this, and nor do I know if I even want you to do this. But he would, as I went out, as I left after preaching, he'd slap me on the back and say, hell of a sermon, Dan. <laughs> He's rough. But he had angel dreams before he went to heaven. He had Jesus visits. I visited him a couple days before he went to heaven. Big smile on his face. It wasn't the morphine. It was Jesus. Duck, so God can hit your husband or wife. A quote from Brenda Mickelson. It's all good. With reverence to each other, remember, he who began a good work within them will continue in the day, until the day of Christ. Trust God. Have, have faith. Have, have faith that Jesus is, gonna, is working his masterpiece in them. You don't, have to, you don't have to try to mar the Mona Lisa with your pen. Like my grandson did to, to a replication of the Mona Lisa Brenda did. My grandson tried to improve on it. God bless him. <laughs> All right, let's stand up. Love, acceptance, forgiveness, faith, and focus. You focus on what? Here, here's focus. He who did not spare his only son, will he not freely give you all things? When I was a kid on the farm, I remember having a big bucket one time. We could easily entertain ourselves on the farm. We had, it was filled with dirty water, and I got a garden hose and just watched, just, just put good pure water in it for my calf that I was raising for drinking water just by flooding out the old water. You know, we can, if we focus on the positive, focus on what the gifts, the continual gifts that God is flooding our way, focus on health instead of sickness, focus on your successes instead of your failures. Focus on possibilities instead of impossibilities or focus on impossibilities that God can turn into possibilities. Focus on, focus on seeing others after the spirit of Jesus instead of after what annoys you about them. Focus on the fact that this was a good sermon and not that it was a long sermon. <laughs> My friends, it's all a matter of focus. Love, acceptance, forgiveness, faith, and focus will bring more laughter into your heart. I've done surgery. Let God finish this work. My, job, my goal is not to give you a good sermon today. My, my goal in this is to impart to you, through the Holy Scriptures and the Holy Spirit, a, something beautiful God has done for me. I want you to have it too because it's lightsome and happy and brings lots of laughter. Laughter, laughter, laughter. Put your hands on your heart. Jesus, we bless this beautiful group of people, these saints.
with more and more laughter relationally. We do it by the power of the Holy Spirit. Eyes closed, heads bowed. I want to give you quickly a time to respond to Jesus. If you're not saved and Jesus is saving you today and you're opening your life to him, I'm not going to call you forward, but you need to acknowledge it. Just open your eyes. I'm looking to my right. Open. Open your eyes. Catch my eye. I'll misunderstand if your eyes are open for any other reason. And by opening your eyes and looking at me, you're saying, I'm, I am responding to Jesus. I'm, he's knocking on the door of my heart, and I'm saying yes. Just look up and catch my eye right now. Are you opening your eyes? Thank you. One on the right side. Two on the right side. Anyone else on the right side? Middle right section. Two so far. Anyone in the middle right section? Wave at me. Are you? Three. Three people responding to Jesus, saying yes to Jesus, yes. How about my middle left section? Open your eyes, catch my eye. Thank you. Four. Anyone else? Responding to Jesus, saying yes. I am responding. I am am getting saved today between me and Jesus. Wave at me if I miss you. Four so far. Far left. Anybody here? Recommitment. Your eyes are open, and you're, I, I, I'm misunderstanding unless you're responding to Jesus today. Looks like we have four today. For these, the sake of these people that are responding to Jesus and saying yes to his yes today, let's pray this short prayer. Dear Lord Jesus, I call upon you to save me. I confess you as my Lord. I believe that God raised you from the dead. Thank you for saving me. Starting my life with you right now. Amen. We have an altar team up here. that will be up here to minister healing to whatever one, anyone would like that. If you prayed to be saved today, tell someone before you leave the building. You will decree a thing. It will be established to you. Be sure you tell somebody and, and ask them about getting baptized. And we'll we'll set up that either this this next time or sometime soon. God loves you. We love you. Keep the laughing going, okay? All right, bye.